And I thought, well, what do I have? What did God give me that I haven't been using? And then I realized, you know, my dad instilled a love for martial arts in me from a young age. I just never had taken formal training in it. So, and I always wanted to be uh, capable, be a warrior, be able to show others how to take care of themselves. And, but follow those, you know, old chivalrous codes, those things that defined the, the noble warrior, the warrior for good and right, not just the guy who's tough. Right. Stay tuned for the show. Poets at War is sponsored by the following. Hello, I'm Sarah Levesque, Editor-in-Chief of Logo Sophia Magazine. I would like to invite you to explore our Pilgrim's Journal of Life, Love, and Literature, both in visual format and in podcast format. Our goal is to help bridge the gaps between different Christian denominations and traditions. Please visit our website at logosophiamag.com to read or listen to stories, articles, poetry, and more, all for free. We look forward to journeying with you. Welcome to the Trenches, soldier. This is Poets at War, and today we speak with Thomas Adams, world champion martial artist and writer, about all sorts of things ranging from training to Christianity to more. This is Poets at War! So how have you been? Pretty good. Um, just got back from the world championship about, um, well, a couple weeks ago now, but um, that was a big trip. And uh, Which art? Um, taekwondo. Um, and I, well, Taekwondo and Gumdo, technically. I, so it's sword and also hand-to-hand, like Korean karate. Gotcha. So, yeah. Um, thankfully, I won the world title in both creative forms and creative weapons, so... That was a big deal. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you're riding high right now. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of excited also about the fact that I don't have to do it again right away this year. So that way I can <laughs> spend some time focusing on other things for a change. Definitely. Yeah. 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 So where whereabouts were they? Were the championships? Uh, that was uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. So was that a distance from you or no? A uh, long ways. Because I long lived ways. Down- southeastern border of oklahoma almost into Mm. texas so yeah i had to take a plane there and um had to stay about four days get there the day before leave the day after and it was two days of competition so yep i could have stayed and uh, they they actually invited me to be in the parade of champions after the first night of competition or first two days of competition but um i um couldn't afford to stay another day in phoenix so i just had to go (laughs) yeah i hear that i hear that well that's that's crazy that's a whirlwind right there man well i guess starting off this is the first time we've talked you know face to face so to speak um we've been in each other's circles on facebook and other places for quite a while um at least to my memory i don't know if you've noticed me but i've noticed noticed you and um, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, i'm kind of hard to miss on social media <laughs> but that's by design you know 
um but yeah so like i don't know if you know um obviously you know ian wilson sarah levesque you know some of those uh folks we've been in those circles for a little while um you are kind of a uh you may or may not know this but kind of a prototypical uh person in my brain i've talked about on poets of war before uh uh i've met other people like you these these guys who have a fascination with celtic christianity early celtic christianity who are uh and medieval christianity and who have a interest in martial arts and there's a piety to the lord mixed into what they do as a martial artist and i've seen that starting to grow a whole lot more and i've 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 remarked to some people um particularly in the crec if you know uh anything about those guys that i see good for good or ill there being some form a form of denomination in the next 10 to 15 years <laughs> kind of forming around that sort of like bringing in sort of the 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 not not in practice but the concept of like salvation army pentecostalism <laughs> you know what i'm saying with the reformed faith kind of it's this weird yeah. thing that i just see kind of coming and i don't know what to think about it but it's interesting <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting honestly i didn't know it was uh, becoming that big of a thing i kind of thought i was the only one to tell you the truth so I've, I've seen some more and and even if there are people who don't practice near as much uh, to the level that you do you know world champion and all there are a lot of people that i see that just practice it for fitness and you know practice all kinds of different martial arts i'm actually sort of in that camp you know ever since i um moved and got married uh i moved to the town that my wife was in uh we met online i moved to the town got married like a year-ish later um the uh I, I was I was in a martial arts, but I was I'm more in the grappling arts in particular and mm -hmm. have always been, you know, I have the build for it. I have had the build for it. I, like I said, I've been out of practice for quite a while. Um, being married, being a dad, that kind of <laughs> takes takes some of that out of you, but I'm getting back into it some. Uh but the uh uh both both uh, I mean I I like jujitsu, but I did more catch wrestling kind of stuff. Um oh, yeah and um also uh was partially trained not, i didn't finish my training but i was partially trained in pro wrestling too you know the show form so um that's that's fun stuff too and that is a martial art regardless of how you how you frame it you know yep. so um but yeah i mean tell me about uh how that started for you how it ties in with your faith i, I think i i titled this show in my brain kind of what we're talking about besides just you i'm interested in you and your life but like um martial arts emphasis on arts right because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast poets at war it's kind of like christian artists coming together right. and, and i being someone who's in the, been in the grappling arts i have long pushed especially being like a pro wrestling fan and into that too like there's an art aspect to what is done that a lot of people don't appreciate and that so is, that's kind of what i want to get into but yeah go ahead tell me kind of introduce people to yourself you know that sort of thing introduce me okay uh well uh 
let's see. It's a long story. Um, I'll try not to make it too long, but I'll try to keep it interesting. That's okay. We got an hour-ish. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, to put it simply, well, you see, to start, I was born in Michigan, um, and I'm 29, so 29 years ago. Well, I'll be, I will be 29 <laughs> in about a week. And, uh, but anyway, I was born in Michigan, and my family was always very, um, well, we were always a Christian home. Didn't always have a church for most of my growing up years, but um, we were always very strict on, you know, well, the Bible is the inerrant word of God, and we, you know, try to live our lives based on that. And um, my dad was a cop, um, and he also was into various martial arts that he had learned as a cop to be effective at his job. And he believed very strongly in the old warrior virtues of like Bushido and chivalry and all of that. And, but, well, he was more into the ninja aspect. He was always fascinated by that in his youth. So he kind of rubbed off on me in that way about yeah. winning and fighting no matter what it takes to win for the right side. And, um, but me, I was, um, so growing up in that kind of warrior culture, you might say, because my family, you know, my dad and his parents all the way back, they all, they all had a history of law enforcement and military and stuff like that. So I just kind of grew up under that warrior culture, feeling like in some way, you know, I needed to be a warrior as well. So the longest time I wanted to be a fighter pilot or an astronaut or military or even CIA for a while when I had a James Bond kick. <laughs> but anyway, none of that ever happened. So I um, tried to look for talents that I had and tried to find a way to use them. So as I was getting into my late teens and up into my into my early 20s, I started looking for um, an outlet for the kind of gifts that I had, the skills I had. I always liked writing, too. So that's another art I'm into was writing, poetry, fiction, and mostly fantasy, but fantasy and history. And uh, so I went with that. But there wasn't a whole lot of professional openings for writing that that I could find. I mean, sure, a lot of people are good at publishing, but I can... I hardly have the time to finish one novel. So Publishing's that, a whole other art form. Oh, yeah. That's just right. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't really getting anywhere with that, but I knew that I wanted to be a positive impact on other people and kind of change the world. So, uh, so I uh, did a lot of prayer, a lot of soul searching. And um, I just, I, well, I'm not going to get into all the details, but at one point there was seriously considering moving out of state. Now, at this point in time, it's important to realize I lived in, we had just, we had lived in Oklahoma for about 10 years at this point. And, um, and I was seriously considering moving to Colorado because I was dating a girl up there. And uh, anyway, there was a lot of controversy and struggle over that, whether it would be right or wrong for me to do such a thing. And I, I just needed to know where did God want me to be? So after a lot of soul searching and through both some natural, but also some almost supernatural means, God kind of showed me that I was needed where I was, where I was. So I stayed in Oklahoma and I started looking for ways to hone my talents. Now at this time I worked at Lowe's, so everybody knows Lowe's home improvement stores, um, but I wasn't, uh, I wasn't happy with it. And it was a fun place to work for a while, but that's a whole other topic. But I, I knew I wasn't supposed to just stay there for the rest of my life. Right, right. And uh, so I was looking for another outlet, something something I could do professionally that would make me feel like I was making a difference for a change and doing what I was meant to do. And, um, well, 
one day I was watching Cobra Kai, you know, that TV series. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And <clears throat> Johnny in the pilot episode, because I just started watching the show, Johnny is like, you know, he's middle-aged now and he's feeling like he kind of wasted his life. He's watching a 80s movie on TV, which just happens to be another one of my favorite movies, Iron Eagle. <laughs> and and the mentor character in the movie says in a recording to the main character, the hero of the movie, he says, God doesn't give people things he doesn't want them to use. And so I just that just got me to thinking. And I thought, well, what do I have? What did God give me that I haven't been using? And then I realized, you know, my dad instilled a love for martial arts in me from a young age. I just never had taken formal training in it. So, and I always wanted to be uh, capable, be a warrior, be able to show others how to take care of themselves and, but follow those, you know, old chivalrous codes, those things that defined the, the noble warrior, the warrior for good and right, not just the guy who's tough. Right. Uh, so in watching Cobra Kai, I started thinking, well, wait a minute, there's a karate dojo not that far from me. Well, actually a Taekwondo school, but, you know, Taekwondo, karate, same thing, just Korean labeling versus Japanese labeling. Right, right. So, so anyway, I started looking into that and I thought, well, maybe this is God's way of telling me, you know, I should use those warrior instincts that, <laughs> that I've been raised with. And so I wanted to join the military, but I felt convicted that that wasn't God's plan for me in particular so i never pursued that right and, uh, so i went to martial arts and then from oh. the first day of training i was hooked stuck with it and i kept going and i started teaching and mentoring kids because they just once they found out that i was into martial arts they thought oh that's really cool i want to learn <laughs> so then i started getting all this clout in town <laughs> and, uh, and uh, so i wanted to use that and i felt like i just kept thinking you know what had always bothered me was the modern generation just kind of lives for the flesh, basically. Everybody just wants to go after whatever their gland says I need right now. And kids, they, they as soon as they get into their teens, are bombarded with over-sexualization of culture, basically. And all they care about is getting their their first fix of, you know, the bedroom scene and all that. And I thought, well, you know, that's not what God intended. We're supposed to be living moral lives and saving ourselves for marriage, ideally. And, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, I'm just going to be real here. I mean, as guys, I mean, it's rough. Yeah. We're bombarded with stuff all the time. It's hard to stay pure in today's culture. Well, it's like, it's, uh, I've likened it to uh, essentially, uh, you know, you have, uh, uh, first of all, one baby alligator doesn't seem that bad. You know, he's in your general vicinity. So what, whatever. Now you put a thousand baby alligators. Okay. But still not necessarily bad if you can, you know, climb up whatever. But the fact is, uh, that's basically the entire floor of everywhere you ever go. And you don't always have high ground to get up on. That's basically what our culture is right now for men. Exactly. (laughs) So kids, they really need something to kind of boost them up, to help them get stronger, to deal with the challenges they're going to face in our life, our culture in our lifetime. And um, so I felt this sort of conviction that I needed to kind of get a ministry started to where kids could focus on becoming better people and not just simply what I want right now. Right. And uh, 
So I started looking for avenues to make that work. And I thought, you know, I realized if I'm going to be a real influence on these kids, I got to become a role model. So I started just going deeper and deeper into my training and I've got to, you know, kind of prove that I'm capable so that kids don't see, you know, if you're walking around preaching the Christian life, you don't want to be that wimpy guy who doesn't seem to be getting anywhere in life. You know, you want to prove that you can do something great and keep pushing for it. And basically you want to make, you want to make Christian living look good. You know, you want to make look like this isn't just what the wimpy because it is good not not just because you're just trying to push it that way but because it is good (laughs) exactly yeah and you don't want people to think that you know oh you know the good the good boy lifestyle that's just what those wimpy guys do who can't get anything you know so right you want to show them no this is what tough guys do you know this is what proves you're really tough you can you got to be tough spiritually if you want to be tough anyway else right and so that was one of the things that really kept me in the martial arts was because while you're learning physical self-defense and skills and abilities, you're building yourself up spiritually with the discipline and the fortitude to keep going and keep trying no matter how hard it gets. Right. Because spiritually and physically, it goes both ways. It doesn't get easier. You just get better. So, um, yeah. So that was a big, big thing for me. And, um, and the other thing, the part that I kind of skimmed over another big inspiration pursuing down this road was as a teenager, I was very inspired by the King Arthur legends Mm -hmm. and reading those books, the classic books based on the legends, mainly the Howard Pyle ones was what got Mm -hmm. me hooked on it at the beginning was it was all about the knights keeping their code of honor, sticking to their morals, even when it was to their peril. So they kept their word. They didn't break it, even if it meant that they had to lose something to keep their honor, basically. And a lot of people, this honor has kind of gone out of fashion for a lot of people. Like people will say, uh, if it's just a simple job, a lot of the time people say, okay, I'll be there to take care of it. And I noticed that oftentimes they'll say they'll be there the next day. They never show up. Right. (laughs) And I've even had friends and coworkers where if I say, okay, I need you to be here this, this day. I'm going to need your help with this, or I need you to support me on this. Will you be there? And say, yeah, I'll be there. They never show up. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I wanted to bring back that sort of, you know, a man's word is his bond kind of culture, bring back that um, fight for what's right or do whatever you have to do, keep your honor, keep your word, and not, um, you know, change it just because, oh, I don't feel like it today. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, the one of the one of the biggest ones that I think is the biggest disconnect within, you know, all the different codes of honor you're referring to. Um, I think the big weak uh, weak link in the chain for a lot of people's perception of that, and this is this is some like uh, people understand what chivalry is regardless of whether they know the definition of the word that like that that concept exists within the culture whether people think it's right or wrong or whatever you know uh or or you can do it if you want it's kind of nice whatever uh chivalry exists but it's eh, then you know other things exist but they're eh. but i think the one that is so that is most foreign within that code um within those codes i should say because they they all have very similar aspects to them is fealty 
and fealty specifically to one's lord whatever that might be and i use the word lord in the big broad sense of the word right because different people have different lords they have different rightful authorities over them and i think a lot of this has been lost in you know the 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 european american issue you know the european american bridge the 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 revolutionary war and what happened but i think also the 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 civil war um was a big one because uh the there there's the issue of who is your superior rightfully and how is how is that even work under an american constitution on a civil level right um and 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 there's there's lots of things to in, in regard to that um but like if i asked anyone just off the street what fealty is i i seriously doubt anyone would get it you know yeah i can just imagine asking just about anybody in my hometown they'd probably give me a funny look exactly (laughs) exactly and 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 i think that's the reason why a lot of people consider you know a male you know beyond i'm not saying the, the 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 typical evangelical idea of a relationship with jesus but your actual day-to-day walk with the lord right um i think that's why there's this misconception because we've been given this 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 fake you know relationship with jesus not religion just relationship with jesus right oh. we've been we've been given that and we've given been given that 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 fake weak version of that where people have no concept of what fealty to the lord of the universe is that's very true that's a great point um a little bit yeah. of thunder in the background if people hear that but yeah go ahead <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a great point i think a lot of people have lost the sense of right making jesus their lord is what you mean by fealty is you know like swearing fealty to our lord yes and a lot of people don't realize that when you become a Christian, that's in effect what you should be doing. You should be it, making just what you do if you're a Christian. <laughs> like if yeah. you are really a Christian, <laughs> you you've automatically sworn fealty to him, in my opinion. But yeah, so right, yeah, he should be your lord, and if he's your lord, you're sworn fealty, which means loyalty, obedience. And a lot of people just want to skip past that and just say oh, it's just a warm fuzzies, you know, like, <laughs> they don't say that, but I mean, that's what they're thinking. They're thinking the warm and fuzzies. He loves me. I love him. We're good. <laughs> that's basically and, and, and there's a, there's a aspect of fealty. That's also a uh, love for one's vassal Lord uh, where yeah. you, your, your intention is to serve him. Like it's a declaration of intent, even beyond like duty. Right. It is my intention to go above and beyond the call of service, right? right. And 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 that that's something that's totally missing. So I was gonna uh, mention um, one of the one of the things that was really interesting in that whole uh, kind of you know summarized story of of where you come from and where you're at that I found particularly interesting is the aspect of God doesn't give you you know, from Iron Eagle, God doesn't give you uh, things that he doesn't intend for you to use. Um, I have had the experience of being given something that he did not intend for me to use. But the point was, he was teaching me patience. Ah, mm -hmm. And so while I agree with generally, and I'm not disagreeing with what's said, I, I like if God gives you something, you should use it. And what he gave me 
was that love of pro wrestling that I talked about. Actually, I was absolutely obsessed with pro wrestling, wanted to be a pro wrestler. I still would love to be a part of the industry in some way, shape or form. I'm pretty much too old at this point. I'm 32 uh, to really actually get into it unless my life completely changed in some ridiculous way. Cause I mean, diamond Dallas page, I don't know if you know who that is, but he, he got into wrestling around like 40 something and became world champion. And he was like, really really amazing um but he's he's another he's another level you know um but the, the the point that i'm making is like that was given to me over the course of many years of my life a to give me a love of narrative even beyond conventional narratives such as you know movies novels etc cetera, etc cetera, but to love narrative itself uh, how a story is built, how a story is is improvised on the spot, how stories are 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 move along. Oh, I tell you, this is a really big tangent, but I, I, I and not big like length, but just you'll find this funny, and you'll probably appreciate it too. This is part of the art of pro wrestling, not so much the physical aspect, but the the acting aspect. Um, there was a an, an event I went to uh independent event and there was a uh guy who had been on tv maybe like 10 15 years ago who was like the big attraction for the night and then you know you have all your local guys and whatever else well this local bad guy comes out and he wrestles this other local good guy and he just totally cheats and destroys him and whatever else and the, and then the the good guy comes uh, the guy from from tv the big star comes running out and challenges him to a match later on in the evening but here's the problem. The bad guy responded initially, just trying to be logical, just having a bullet point script to go off of not having, you know, lines or anything. Why should I wrestle you? I've already wrestled once tonight. <laughs> and the star and he, you could tell they paused. They, it was the briefest of hesitations, but you could tell they realized they had just wrote themselves into a corner. <laughs> and i as one of the fan fans in the crowd said because you'll get paid twice and he goes yes <laughs> <laughs> and so i i cannot think of you know besides maybe improvised humor right um <laughs> this is improvised drama which is a whole other level of you know creativity like you you don't have that in any other you know the performing art form, you know I mean? <laughs> that kind of interaction with the crowd you know and the crowd's in on it it's part of it's like a, ma a magic act where you know where you're watching a magician you know he's not really performing sorcery <laughs> you know i would hope so you know but you're you're part of the the show you're part of the enjoyment of this thing so um but i was going with that to say like god used that to teach me that but he also taught me that i didn't belong in uh at least at this point in my life and at that point in my life in organized martial arts in general and mm -hmm. the reason was uh this is another story but i think you'll find it interesting i really wanted to tell it to you so you, i could get your opinion as someone who teaches um i was part of a uh because I wanted to do pro wrestling and my parents put the kibosh while I was in their house on learning pro wrestling, the compromise ended up being going out for jujitsu. Now keep in mind, I had done correspondence and uh, train at home with siblings and friends 
catch wrestling training up to that point and was fairly good amongst them, you know, whatever. And they learned some of the same stuff and trained with me. And, you know, it was, it was, it was a good thing. And then I go to jujitsu and there's an older teacher who really knows what he's doing. And I love him. And anytime I trained under him, I've, I had a great time and he actually taught well and he pushed me and it was good. Then we had the guy who like owned the gym and who was, you know, he was, he was good at what he did, but uh, basically I would use some catch wrestling techniques uh, and I tried not to use the ones that they weren't comfortable with for sparring, you know, or anything like that. But my body's built way better for a lot of the catch wrestling techniques than instead of like all the leg locks around the head, you know, your triangle chokes, all that kind of stuff. Got big stubby legs, right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm using more wrestling techniques. And uh, the, the situation um, was that, uh, that, that, really, that really changed it for me was um, I was being trained by the guy who owned the gym. The, other, the older gentleman was out and he told me not to use uh, essentially what's called a head arm, uh, head arm position in catch wrestling. It's a hold down. It's not a hold that's used to transition. But essentially, it's um, they're on their back. I'm seated, uh, my butt next to their head, essentially, or next to their shoulder. Um, and I'm reaching down over the top, under their neck, and grabbing my knee to hold them down. I can either take this arm and, you know, lock it up further, right? Or I can, you know, have it free to transition or post or, you know, whatever else. So basically... We've got all of that going on and I'm, I'm using the hold and I'm, I'm using it effectively to transition into other moves. Um, I had one guy, it took a little bit too long for me to transition. And he says, Hey, Hey, hey don't, don't use that. Don't use that anymore. I said, well, why I'm, I'm doing a podcast. You want to say hi? <laughs> this hi. is my daughter, Hazel. Hi, Hazel. Hi. He said, hi, I got to do the rest of the show. Okay. Okay. All right, I love you. Oh, that's okay. I forgot. All right, I'll see you. Anyway, I always just leave these in. Just you know, people like to see my kids. But anyway, he was telling me not to use this hold hold down. You know, and like I said, it's a transitionary move. It's not even really like a move or anything, right? Like, and I was like, okay, why? And he he had explained well wise to other people before, so I was like, okay. And he said. Okay, uh, hold, put me down in it. And he was he was not stopping class to do this. He was working individually with different people who were sparring and blah blah blah. And I I put him in it, and he said and and uh, proceeded to hold him down for about honestly 15, 20 seconds before he was finally able to turn it around. He said to hold him down in it, and he said, "There, see, they can get out." <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, it's a transition move. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to win with this move here, sir. And it was just like, well, just don't use it. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, and 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 unfortunately, I had signed up for like three years at this gym and never went back. 
because wow. there were a lot of other things that went down before that you know but this was this was the straw that broke the camel's back it's like something completely not i get you don't want me to use certain leg locks on smaller kids you don't because you're worried about ankles and stuff because in your world breaking breaking that stuff is so much easier than you than it actually is <laughs> um and 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 things of that nature and i never cranked anything to try and hurt people either you know that's the other thing sure i'm a beginner but i'm not sitting here trying to break people's legs either you know what i mean and yeah. and and it's like there was just this a the, the air of of the legality and the liability of everything and we don't know what you're doing so it must be bad it's <laughs> <laughs> like some uh, churches <laughs> oh i know right yeah. <laughs> and and yeah I, I was just wondering your thoughts on that in general like th do you see that as as a thing that happens in the martial arts world you obviously see it in church i'd love to get into that a little bit but just just your general thoughts on the liability uh idea be that that was really hurting martial arts in a lot of cases and just generally speaking the um like uh, like the the unwillingness of teachers to individualize like if one guy's doing something because it's comfortable for him he doesn't figure out how to make it work for him you know what i mean it's like kind of putting them all in a, a mold so to speak right well um I and if i'm say... totally wrong say i'm totally wrong i'm just i'll be <laughs> <honest>. yeah <laughs> yeah honestly i think I mean, I can understand some rules, like um, in the dojo where I practice, mm -hmm. uh, when we spar, we have a rule of no punches to the head, but you're allowed to kick. Yep. I mean, it's kind of weird. I mean, you think, you, you think, oh, what, well, how come you can kick to the head, but you can't punch to the head? I mean, that seems counterintuitive. And I mean, yeah, that makes, I mean, to me, it always seemed a little silly, but the reason behind it is because we train for tournament sparring. And it's been this way for decades, but where they allow um, in traditional Taekwondo and also most karate styles for sparring, like say Kyokushin even, they are, they'll do the same thing. They'll allow kicks to the head, but no punches to the head. And um, I mean, and, and they have different reasons. Some will say, some say it's because it's to build up strength to where you're more for, more for endurance and for fighting the harder targets, you know, because, you know, if you go to the head, it's a quick knockout a lot of the times if you hit right. And um, and so personally, if I was developing my own style, I'd probably allow punches to the head. Mm -hmm. But if you do this in a tournament and any pretty much any traditional martial arts, Taekwondo or karate tournament, um, I mean, there are exceptions, but most of the traditional tournaments will uh, disqualify you or deduct a point or at least give you a warning if sure. you are deliberately punched to the head. And this is a sport reason. This is this isn't yeah. a, a practical reason. It's a sport reason. I totally get sport reasons. It's like right. um, in catch wrestling, you know, you actually uh, this is a jujitsu catch wrestling thing. In jujitsu, you'd never ever uh, are you, you, there's no reason to ever give somebody your back. Whereas in right. catch wrestling, um, there are specific moves to escape when you give someone your back and you can actually bait someone in jujitsu. And I got, I, I, I got not in trouble cause it worked and they really didn't have any way around it. And I didn't hurt anybody, but like, I got, I got told that a lot, uh, because I have a really, I have really broad shoulders. I don't know if you can see it here, but it's really hard to get around my neck. 
And so <laughs> a lot of people would try to rear naked choke me, you know, I, and I'd turn around in their guard, you know, I just turn right around in their guard and they go to rear naked choke and they couldn't get over my shoulders. And I would put my elbow on their shin and push down with my elbow and crank up on their on their uh <laughs> on on their on their ankle you know and 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 immediately get the tap you know so <laughs> and i used that several times and they were like what what did you do <laughs> like you know uh, yeah. but it, it wasn't like i was trying to outsmart anyone it's just that i knew this was my way to win the thing like i'm not trying to be smart the smart kid in the class i'm just like this is what i've been given and I'm just trying to use it. If that right. was in a jujitsu tournament, that would be legal. I'm not trying to work, you know, sport reason outside of that. But yeah, go ahead. That's a, so we got sport reasons. Totally yeah. get it. Yeah. So yeah. There's sport reason. Yeah, that makes sense. If that if that's the reason, sport reasons make sense. Yes. But yes. when it comes to self defense, I think if we're training for practicality, not for sport, I think that the instructor should be prepared to adapt and use whatever the student does not pretend some fake way of oh that doesn't work because 20 yeah. seconds later figuring something out you know i think if if a if a instructor finds that a student has a technique that works but theoretically shouldn't work then mm -hmm. the instructor's duty is to find out why it worked and then right. find way to work around that and not tell the student no don't use it because eventually i'll figure out some way it doesn't work <laughs> instead work with the student borrow from that add it to your toolbox your skill set and find more um more uh adaptations more ways to work with different scenarios because martial arts they're a Mar martial art is really a science. Um, if you read, um, what's his name? Uh, Musashi Miyamoto, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but he I think wrote, I've heard of him. Yeah, he was a samurai back in the 15th century, the 16th century. And he wrote a whole book called The Book of Five Rings. And it's all about um, not just swordplay, but also like any martial art. And he often referred to it in his book as a science. And the science, the science of it is like any science. The science is constantly growing and evolving. You're constantly adding new information and new techniques to work around whatever changes come your way. Right. And so I think that's one of the martial arts' biggest drawbacks is when people aren't willing to continue treating it as a science. They need mm -hmm. to see what they what material they've got adapt to it grow it and expand their art and um i mean like well then you have the others who go totally opposite the wrong direction they go to mma and then they say oh the traditional arts don't have anything to offer we just mix up all these little techniques from whatever we want you know until we find something that works for us well i mean that's good to a point but you got to think those old arts and the traditional styles they must have been around so long because they had elements that worked right so and and this is one of the reasons why i i i tried really hard to be clear um i don't think i was super clear then you know being younger and whatnot but I never wanted to disrespect jujitsu because it is its own art. It's its own thing. It did offshoot from catch wrestling. So it is a modified version in a lot of senses, but catch wrestling and grappling was so much more of a big, broad thing than it is currently. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, yeah. it, and, and grappling's a whole other world. So my, my whole thing is like, I, 
I, I, <clears throat> there's, there are certain things that I d disagreed with philosophically from the beginning and that, that should have probably kept me from doing it. But I figured since I don't have any local catch wrestling, Maybe. you know, <laughs> I gotta do something. Um, and uh, what, what, what advice would you give to someone like that? They, they, they've already trained a little bit in something. They, they've really done their research. They've, they've gone, you know, and, and, and not just like, Oh, whatever, but they've actually sent away for courses, you know, and, and, and really like studied up and practiced with friends and figured things out like, and then their only other option is a m other version of you know what i mean like what would you say to someone like that would you hold out for something more like what they're going for or, or is that a problem or could it be a problem or is it just a teacher thing to adapt um i would say that really i mean you got to go with what's available um but you've got to make sure that you find a school where you feel like you're not being um uh, held back from progressing to your potential mm. and you also got to find a school where your instructor respects you as a person you know yeah um, where uh like me i've only been a part of one martial arts school my whole life but i was extremely lucky that's actually very unusual for most people most people go through several different schools and try different ones out until they find the one they like just right I was very blessed in that the first one that I felt led to try was where I felt like I was home right from the start. And I'm great friends with my instructor and now I work for him. So <laughs> that turned out great. And, uh, but the thing, the main thing was, is we didn't fundamentally disagree on any of the things we were teaching. I yeah. mean, I might agree on some techniques or the way he approaches a certain weapon or two, right. but we're not going to fight over it over things that, you know, really are more about preference. Right. And, uh, and from there, I mean, if the school you're in isn't giving you what you need, then the best thing to do would be to look around to see what options are available locally. And, um, and, you know, and if, and if you can't work it out with the school you're in, if you're not able to make that work for you, if that doesn't suit your needs, then, maybe continue with the correspondence courses. I mean, a lot of people will say that you can't really learn martial arts online. It's harder. It is a lot harder. And mm -hmm. honestly, I don't think I ever would have made it to world champion if I just, no. <laughs> so yeah, but the thing is, I mean, it's a start. You've got something to start with. You can start there. And the cool thing is now they have zoom courses where you can, you know, try out lots of different instructors all just like through zoom, like we're doing now. Mm -hmm. And and then if you learn good from that, then that might help you to find somewhere where you belong. And uh, and another thing is there's books. A lot of the things like when I started studying swordplay, I actually did a lot of that from books and from videos on YouTube. And then I happened to find a sword for you see because my main instructor doesn't practice sword. Okay, so I started out with videos and books that I studied. And from there, I was able to get in touch with another instructor who's a, a couple hours away, lives down in Texas. And uh, he is, quite frankly, he's probably the best swordsman around. He's a 12-time world champion, and he, he taught me a lot. So Dispensing yeah, specifically or other forms? Uh, Gumdo. Gumdo sword. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so like, like Kendo, the Korean form of katana fighting. Yeah, yeah, so, gotcha. Yeah, he taught me that. 
And, uh, and he also showed me where I was getting things wrong because that's another thing. When you self-study, there are going to be some things that you'll be doing wrong. You'll find what feels comfortable to you, but it may not be an effective technique. Sometimes mm -hmm. you'll be right. Sometimes you'll be wrong. So as my sword instructor put it, that's when you need to be like wet clay. You need to be pliable, open, ready to listen to whatever a more experienced teacher can show you if you're doing something wrong and correct it. So, um, so I have, yeah. I, I have I, a love for how practical everything you're saying is, especially in regard to not just martial arts, but like people don't think this way right like i'm hearing what you're saying and i'm immediately applying it to like writing everyone thinks that they need to write a certain way everyone has their writing courses this is how you write a novel right <laughs> whereas <laughs> like the, the 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 whole point is for you to figure out what works for you and yeah. go through the course because it's going to help you it's going to help you figure things out but you take this you take that and you figure it out as you go and you don't disregard your teacher because that's what they found out worked for them. It's not like it, anything they said is a lie, right? And yeah. like you said, the church too. I see this all the time in the church. You get a pastor who, you know, might not agree with you on everything, but he has a really clear and studied understanding of the scripture and he's teaching you. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you can't just disregard that. And, but you should, should read the scripture for yourself and try to understand it, you know, and, and, and apply accordingly. And this is just this whole idea of, of wisdom, like people automatically practice it, but then they go the extra mile and say, well, what you told me was wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's just, it's, it's so messed up. It's so messed yeah. up. Yeah, it's funny you should mention that because uh, there's another thing I've been noticing is that a lot of people, people who say they don't need church or they don't need counseling or anything like that, people will say, well, you know, the Bible says that we have the Holy Spirit. If we have the Holy Spirit, then we don't need anybody to help us figure these things out. We can just trust God and he'll help us show us if we're open to it. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, that's true to an extent, but only so far because right. why do you think we have so many cults? <laughs> I mean, we've got... You know, we've got, you know, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, and so many different denominations who, degree, who, who agree and disagree on several different things. But we don't know what the Holy Spirit is, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real problem. We don't understand not only what, but who the Holy yeah. Spirit is. We don't know him. We're not walking with him. We're not, and I'm not talking in some charismatic way. I think, you know, I'm Reformed Presbyterian, but yeah. I have some things that even I say that some people go, oh, that sounds charismatic. I'm like, well, it's really not. <laughs> for, <laughs> for example, just, just one, one random example, like I believe in casting lots, but only for things that ultimately don't matter. Hmm. Um, I never really examined yeah. that myself but that's that's cool i like that yeah so yeah for me the casting lots thing is like yeah okay if the bible is clear and blatant about it or you've actually searched the scriptures for you know an answer and even if you have a little bit of an inkling as far as the scripture goes you should go with the scripture that's your first choice but if you're deciding whether to have jelly donuts or you know boston cream <laughs> like just just flip a coin which is essentially casting lots and right. we believe uh i believe your predestination calvinist 
kind of thing if, if, if memory serves um or somewhere near there if we believe let's put it this way god orders the steps of everything let's put it that way then we're gonna get an answer you know what i'm saying and and yeah. we're good to go you know like so that's 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 one of those things i have all kinds of things during the day um I start my worship with, I have a giant YouTube playlist of hymns and I have it randomized to one to get things started. And that's my letting God tell me what I should, what I should hear. And what I, and, and then I try and think of the song and think of what is a scripture reference that applies to this song. And that's where I read my scripture from. That's a really cool idea. That's, that's really cool idea. Cause I really, uh, I do that a lot myself, not quite to the degree you're saying, but a lot of times, like when I'm starting the morning, I'll put my playlist on random and let that kind of set the tone for the day. I hadn't thought about, you know, going that far with, you know, applying prayer and, you know, scriptures that could apply with songs like you do. And, I mean, if, some... I, and if I need to deep dive into something, I will, you know, but like, yeah. and, and do it over the course of several weeks, but like, I'm not going to sit there and get in a rut on my third or fourth time through numbers or uh, numbers, you know, <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> so go ahead, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, you're fine. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I never thought to use it quite the way like you're saying, but I, that's a really cool idea. And similarly, like when I'm trying to figure something out, I'll put my playlist on random. It's typically a playlist that has songs with spiritual applications and then I'll see if I'll, maybe that will help me think of whatever it is I'm trying to figure out, you know? Um, and, but yeah, applying prayer and scripture to that, that's a really cool idea. I like that. Yeah. So. And, and, and it's uh, in no way am I sitting here going, you know, God, what should I do completely blankly? Because he's already spoken on that. It's already mm-hmm. pretty clear, you know, here's the boundaries of scripture for every Christian and here are the things that he has placed upon my heart after understanding the boundaries. And then you have a calling, you have mission, you know, and you continue on that mission. And along the way, one of the best things that I can have, especially being sort of, as you can probably tell, ADD dyslexic kind of person, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's the, 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 the variety and the unexpected, the spontaneity is something that I'm regularly craving. I want to hear from God. And one of the ways that I know for a fact I'm hearing from God, of course, is reading the scripture. Now, what does he want to say to me from the scripture though? Like, what does he want to bring to my attention at this point in time? It's not me sitting here searching in my own head. Right. (laughs) I let him, him choose through casting of lots, right? Yeah. And so I'm not I'm not sitting here searching around in my head or searching around in the ether somewhere or searching around on the internet with some, you know, whatever. I'm letting I'm taking all the truth I know, putting it in a box and little post-it notes, reaching my hand and then pulling one up. Right. And and that's that's so foreign to so many, you know, traditional Orthodox Christians. You know. I, I think we need to get back to that. I think we need to realize that all truth is truth. All of God's truth is truth. It's it's just as true that there's a wooden desk in front of me as it is that uh, Jesus Christ died for my sins. Right. Yeah. You know, all truth, God's truth, you could say. So, right. yeah. 
Yeah, and that's another thing where I think there's a bit of a disconnect too is people, some some people, a lot of the, um, I guess you'd say fundamentalist or you know evangelical types, they'll say, you know, well, if it's not in the Bible, it can't be trusted. Well, you know, a lot of things aren't in the Bible, but it's still true. And if it's right. true, it's truth. God is the God of truth. Mm-hmm. So um, just like people would say, uh, trying to think of a particular example that comes up often, but like, let's say if somebody says, you know, the internet's not in the Bible, so we shouldn't use it. Or then you have the <laughs> She yeah. won't touch electricity, you know, because, I mean, it's not in the Bible. Well, yeah, oxygen isn't fully explained in the Bible either, but we <laughs> use that. <laughs> yep, yep. And, and, and here's the thing I say, you know, I am a solo scripture person, but sola, not solo. And my whole point to the entire thing with that is, like, we can t- only ultimately test what's in scripture. Yeah. Only ultimately test what's in scripture and everything else that we deal with should be tested by scripture. But even then our testing is subject because we're not in the scripture, so to speak, you know what I'm saying? Like directly, you know, identified in scripture because of that, we cannot be, you know, infallible. Right. So our testing can is subject to whatever, but the point is we know the scripture is 100% true period. You know, now all the other implications you want to pull out from that, we could talk about that, but that's going to be an outside discussion. That's creedal. That's not, you know, scripture. Right. And, and this, this is one of those things that I have as conversations with people when it comes to solo scriptura and other things of that nature, I have to continually point out, this is the only thing we know for sure. You know, any, any other thing is liable to air. It's not saying it will air or that there isn't rightful authority. Right because there's there's totally rightful authority in a lot of these places you know with with um uh uh pastors and 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 priests and kings and everything else that we deal with in our culture fathers mothers brothers even older brothers have a certain amount of you know uh authority you know and and we should we should be giving deference to them in some level you know the scripture is pretty clear on that sort of thing especially when there's delegated authority from a parent right um and and so like this all comes back to fealty and that i think that's that's kind of what ended up being sort of the the center of what we're talking about guys everyone listening fealty y'all fealty look it up know it love it pledge your life to christ and be the knight that he made knight and de- or dame that he made you to be you know what i mean um, <laughs> one other random thing i'll just uh well, well we can close with this if unless it turns into whatever else um and i'll close after that but I was going to talk to you about it after, but then I, uh, we have like 10 minutes ish. So I thought I might go, might as well go ahead and bring it up. If you're not, not um, uh, knowledgeable, then don't worry about it. I can cut this part and we can just go straight to outro or whatever. But um, since you do somewhat of a, uh, is it gumdo? Yeah. Words? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm semi-familiar with kendo slash, you know, um, that form, but I'm more familiar with the European, uh, g- particularly the German uh, Zweihander, you know, form, the the longsword form. 
Oh, I love that style. Not, <laughs> I, was, I love that style. I was I was gonna get your opinion on that because that's that's just one of those things that I have. Um, oh, show you back behind me, right up there. You see it? Oh yes, that's great. Yeah, yep. it it needs uh, battle readiness. It's not there. Um, the tang isn't as near far down as it needs to be. Um, oh. But I have a friend who will eventually get to it and get it sharp and whatever else but like um it's a it's a nice piece and i love you know practicing with the style when i can you know and and learning what i can it's a hobby you know um but i am convinced i don't know for sure but i've done a ton of genealogy i can connect back to a whole bunch of different people um during times when they would have used that form and in places where they would have used that form on battlefields where they would have used that form. And I'm convinced I have ancestors who used it because it's just one of those things that it's just, it's like the most natural thing in the world to me to flow through the different forms and stuff like that uh, with that, that style. I, I love the idea of being under or behind pikemen and cutting down, you know, further pikemen at, in the charge, you know, and whatever else and being specifically against the pikes um even with like horses charging behind you i've 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 heard about that you know kind of thing you get those zwei-handed people in there first and the horses are charging they time it so that the horses hit right after they've been you know pushed aside by the zwei-handers and everything and oh it's just it's, it's such a cool interesting style and and mythos behind it and it's not just william wallace or aragorn or anything like that like the, every time i see someone actually doing the forms and stuff i'm just in awe you know oh, yeah me too i've always been fascinated by those great two-handed swords whether it's those y-hander like you're talking about or the uh, scottish two-handed mm -hmm. people think of as a claymore or the highland great sword or even the mm -hmm. lowland great sword which is mm -hmm. what william wallace actually would have used but yeah, those those things are incredible, and uh, that was actually what I was into before I started the Oriental arts. Is I just practiced at home and read books on the subject, really. So, but what I found I was doing with that was basically I was doing kata or forms, as people call it. But I was doing making them up on my own. I didn't realize that was what I was doing, but that was what I was doing. Yeah, <laughs> with two-handed practice swords at the time. Yep, and so. But yeah, that's um, that's one of my uh, favorite martial arts, really, from, from my childhood even. And uh, I actually studied a little bit, as I've read about the German style two-handed sword fighting and the Italian style. And mm -hmm. what I found interesting about that was that while the German style is a little more offensively based, the Italian style is a little bit more defensively based. Mm -hmm. So um, I never got to really delve far into the two arts but i think it would be really interesting to gain a full understanding of both and then combine them because that's really i mean should be the main goal i think of any martial artist is if you study more than one art combine what works best from both of them into something that really works great so yep yep well i'm gonna wrap this and i have one other thing to talk to you about and uh but i want you to plug anything and everything you want to plug right now if you've got books i know you write uh if you've got website if you've got social media whatever anything you want people to go check out all right well um right now i don't have a book release that i'm trying to promote 
but um, I do, well, I am in the process of building up a youth ministry currently. And you can find us on Facebook as uh, Knights of St. Arthur. So that's K-N-I-G-H-T, Knights of St. Arthur. And um, it's basically, it, it's inspired by a child, well, it's a, a kid's, uh, well, a boy's club, really. It started way back in the late 1800s. And, um, but it kind of disappeared around the time of the First World War. And, um, but what it was, was it took boys similarly to like a Boy Scouts kind of program, but it was all based on the Knights of King Arthur. And it was the round, Knights of the Round Table, and boys basically learned chivalry and all of that kind of thing. I basically revived it for a while, a couple years ago, um, back before COVID messed everything up. <laughs> and I just went, was the original was Knights of King Arthur. I revived it as Knights of St. Arthur. And, uh, and what we did was we combined the, like, Taekwondo and, and some swords and uh, Kobudo weapons training and took that as sort of our foundation for the program when applying uh, biblical lessons with it. So, but when COVID happened, a lot of, we had to shut down for a while and a lot of our kids kind of, they went off doing different stuff. One kid, his family traveled a lot. The other kid got distracted with other things. And so we haven't been able to pick up speed again, but we are working on a revival at a new church near us right now. We're working at Faith Lutheran Church in Duran, Oklahoma. So we're hoping to get something started there. I'm in talks with the pastor on that now. But yeah, if you follow us on uh, Facebook, Knights of St. Arthur Facebook page, um, then we'll often, every now and then, I'll post something there and you can follow us. And if something new comes up for anybody interested or if you just want to get connected or get involved, um, yeah, comment, message, follow us. We're there. Fantastic. You do realize, uh, and as you just brought up another thing, I, I, I'm i going to say this before I close and then... Uh, We'll talk about it after, but I basically wrote a group identical to what you're talking about that has a <laughs> bit more of a thing, but I, I it's in my superhero fiction and we'll talk about that a little after. Uh, but anyway, everybody, be your family's bar. Do not turn to the right or to the left and the Lord will be with you wherever you go. Fight something, fight somebody, train and be fealtists. That's not a word, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, uh, swear your fealty to the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you all next time in the trenches on Poets at War. And be nights. Nice. <laughs> yes. God of song said, Lord.